Welcome to the Gentleman Style Podcast show. If you are tuning in, I'm your favorite host, Marcus, of Gentleman Style Podcast. And I have come into the stage world-renowned speaker, mentor, educator, counselor, and lecturer, Rabbi Manis Freedom. He combines ancient Torah wisdom with modern wit to captivate audiences around the world. He hosts his own critically acclaimed cable television series, Torah Forum syndicating throughout North America and is known as YouTube's most popular rabbi. This man's wisdom expands topics such as relationships, God, family, and everything that the, the core of what my show speaks to. And so help me welcome to the stage, without further ado, Rabbi Manis Freedom. Sound effects and everything. <laughs> Absolutely, I could do do no less, Rabbi. Thank you for joining us on the show today, sir. It is a pleasure. Absolutely, Rabbi. I wanted to to start off first. Um, you speak to a number of different topics. You're you have over um hundreds of thousands of subscribers on YouTube and across the globe that 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 listen to your every word, sir. Um, but I wanted to talk, what is one thing that you do every day that really sets the tone for the rest of your day and allows you to know that this is going to be a great day? Depends on who I talk to first in the morning. <laughs> Will either depress me or inspire me? One of, it's one of the two. <laughs> that's true. It's, it depends, that's a good point. Talking to um, Talking to friends, family. Or business associates or coworkers that definitely ch tends to change the trajectory of our happiness. Um, so you spoke, you've spoken to this. Is happiness, is true happiness possible? Is true happiness attainable, Rabbi? It must be. We all need it. We all want it. It's got to be attainable, but you can't pursue it. You know, the pursuit of happiness very misleading. You can't pursue it. You have to live a life that allows happiness. But you can't grab happiness by the throat. <laughs> so the way we go about it is to get, to get to the happiness, you increase, which is doable, you increase your enthusiasm. Be a little more enthusiastic about what you're doing. That's doable. Enthusiasm opens the door to happiness. And then the happiness comes. But how do you get to be more enthusiastic? Well, in order to be more enthusiastic, you have to feel grateful. Mm. If you're not grateful, you're not enthusiastic. You're just doing your job. You're not enthusiastic. It's true. You're just, you know, you're just pushing through. To be enthusiastic, you have to feel grateful. And in order to feel grateful, you have to realize that you have and you get more than you deserve. The worst thing that kills people and makes them depressed and angry and, and frustrated is the feeling that I deserve. Why am I not getting what I deserve? I deserve a better life. I deserve a bigger car. I deserve a better house. I deserve a... 
it's it's the beginning of the end because it's so untrue and unreal nobody is born deserving anything it's, it's not a criticism it's not like oh you don't deserve nobody deserves life is for free you grow up and you don't die and get you know that's for free you didn't deserve that so every day of life is a gift you haven't earned it you can't demand it you certainly can't demand more well you gave me life now give me a car mm. <laughs> so if you think deserving you're, you're beginning to become depressed and if you listen to the commercials they're so bad almost every commercial you should buy this product you should get this service you should use this machine because you deserve <laughs> I think you'll appreciate this there's a hair product and the commercial is use this hair product because you deserve beautiful hair <laughs> what do you do to deserve hair <laughs> I can't even imagine like yeah I want hair what should I do <laughs> it feels good it, it looks good um but that shouldn't what you're saying is um we should it to change our mindset change our mindsets around to reality to reality you're not asking for you know to to convince yourself of something that isn't real no, just look at reality. Like, for example, evil people. They they deserve to be born? Mm. Oh, no, not them. <laughs> Nobody deserves to be born. So if you don't deserve it, and yet you have it, you feel grateful. That's so. what gratitude means. I think I'm getting more than I deserve. I worked for an hour but you paid me for two hours. I'm grateful. But if I work for an hour and you pay me for an hour, I'm not grateful. I worked. So it's only right, it's justice that you give me an hour's worth of wages. There's nothing to be grateful for. Grateful means I'm getting more than I deserve. If I'm getting more than I deserve, I become a little more enthusiastic about what I'm doing. I become a little more enthusiastic. Happiness follows. Love that. Rabbi, you, you touched on a very sensitive topic and you speak to this and you mentor to this um, and, and you give insight where there's where knowledge is lacking for most. Um, but we we are born into this life and we're born into this world um, seeking, it seems like a lifelong journey of seeking purpose. Um, in your in your wisdom, why am I alive? Why are we here? Um, what is the purpose? Um, what, why are we all here? That is the question. The question, the mother of all questions. That, that's great. The good news is 
that for some reason, today, like in the last two years, that question has become urgent and popular and everyone is asking it. Children are asking it, which I think is a good thing. We've neglected it. We've ignored it for a long time because we were busy. We had places to go. We had things to do. Our schedule was full. You got to go here, go there. You got to have all these experiences. We thought we were alive. And now it turns out, no, we were just busy. Mm. COVID forced us to slow down. There were no sports events. There were no nightclubs to go to. There were no parties. You couldn't even go to work. You didn't go to school. You didn't go shopping. I mean, everything we thought life was stopped. And we're still alive. So now we're asking ourselves, so what is life? So why am I here? The result is we turn towards family. Because we were at home with the family. We start, suddenly started to appreciate having a family. That is so much healthier. So the experts were saying, if we're going to be quarantined, if we're going to be locked in at home, there's going to be such an increase in divorce. Children and parents stuck in the house together. Get the body bags ready. <laughs> <laughs> It happened a little bit, but for most people, pleasantly surprised. I actually like being home with my kids. The kids certainly like being home <laughs> and go to school. And couples who were on the, on the verge of divorce suddenly realized, hey, we need each other. We don't want to be without you. So getting back to your question, why am I here? It's a, it's a big question, but it's a very real, it's not philosophy, it's not religion, it's not spiritual, it's me. I am here, why? Here's, here's the good news. We're born very needy. An infant is very needy, very dependent, can't do anything for himself. So I need you to do this for me. I need you to do that for me. I need to eat. I need to be diapered. I need to be educated. I need to be protected. All about me. Me and my needs. It turns out and it took us thousands of years to discover this, it turns out that having needs is unnatural and therefore depressing. Actually, we shouldn't feel needy at all. Mm. What we should feel is needed. If we were intelligent at the moment we were born, imagine you come into the world <clears throat> and you're thinking, you're, you're intelligent, and you ask yourself, how did this happen? 
hey, I didn't ask for this. Nobody asked me. Do you want to be born? Nobody asked me. And if they had asked me, I would have said no. I don't need this. I don't need to lie here crying in my crib, waiting for someone to come bring me some food. Otherwise, um, I'm in pain and I'm and I'm frightened. I don't, I don't need this. Who, who did this to me? In other words, I don't need to be here. And yet I am here. That means that somebody needs me here. So it's not my need. Somebody else needs me. And it's not my mother and father. Because when they were born, they had the same problem. They didn't ask to be born. They don't know why they came into this world. It wasn't their own project. They're here because they're needed. If you think about it for a moment, it is so healthy. I am not needy. Because I don't even need to be alive. Leave me alone. I'm not suicidal. I, I love living, but I don't need it. So who does? Right. That's where God comes in. Right. right. Thank you for that. That we, that we that. all think we need God. See that that that's a bad lesson. You are a human being, you are very frail, you're very tiny, you're very help, helpless, and you're very dependent. So everything you get, you got to get from God. You better be nice to him so that he's nice to you. Get on your knees and pray to him. Promise him you'll be good. <laughs> this misery. It's the opposite. I don't need anything. Because if I wasn't born, I would never complain. <laughs> No one ever complains. Hey, how come I wasn't born? <laughs> That's so true. So it's that God needs us. He's the creator. What does he need us for? Oh, that's such a good question. Sir. Yes. Well, we're already healthier because we don't feel needy. We're ready to serve in whatever we're needed for. That is so much nicer. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But 2020, COVID-19, the world seems to be just torn apart right now. COVID-19, gas, rising gas prices, inflation, you name it, is happening. Uh, how do we how do we settle in all of this chaos? How do you find what we talked about earlier, that true happiness in all of this mess? Um, cause when, cause just like you, you broke it down where we, we have to change our mindsets about it, but sometimes it seems impossible, Rabbi. Yes. It seems impossible when we try to change the world on which we have no effect or control. So when we try to do things that we're not capable of doing, we get very frustrated, disheartened, we give up. I don't think we need to worry about politics, about economics. We need to worry about morality. That's our only responsibility. 
And when it comes to morality, we have freedom to choose. We are, we are in control and we can make a difference. I don't know that I can make a difference in whether there's going to be inflation or not, or whether the price of gas goes up or down. I, there's really nothing I can do. But I'm not responsible for that. So if I do nothing about that, I'm not failing. I don't feel bad about it. What I can control and what I must control is my morality or my friend's morality or my children's morality. And we've been too distracted. The focus has to be on, can I make the world a better place? Not a richer, not a more powerful place. Can I make it a more moral place? Can I make life more pleasant for the people around me? That's it. It's doable. It's enjoyable. And it makes a huge difference. So people are losing their jobs, for example. They can't afford to pay for whatever it is. What am I supposed to do? Make a fundraiser and get a bunch of money and pay their bills? Mm. Not necessarily. What I need to do is tell them that they have a life. They should live it well. They should be good people and make a difference in the morality of the world. Not the finances, not the politics, not the distribution of, of power. Do what you were born to do. Make the world a little more godly. Now, can I give you this, this little analogy? Imagine this. Uh, a guy says to God, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't. I'm trying so hard. I've worked so hard and I have no life. I've got no life. I'm down to 20 bucks. Give me a life. So God says, sure. You give me the 20 bucks, I'll give you a life. And the guy's ready to do it, but he says, wait a minute. If I give you the $20, I won't have money for gas for the car. So God says, oh, you have a car. Give me the car and the $20 and I'll give you a life. The guy says, but, but if I give you my car... How am I going to get to work? <laughs> God said, oh, you have a job. Oh, give me your job. Give me the car. Or give me the $20. I'll give you a life. He says, all right. But if I give you my job, how am I going to pay the mortgage? Mm -hmm. God says, oh, you have a house. <laughs> give me the house, the job, the car, and the $20. I'll give you a life. He says, yeah, I'm willing to give you my 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 house, but what am I going to do with my family? God says, oh, you have a family. Give me the family. Give me the house. Give me the, the job. Give me the car. Give me the 20 bucks. I'll give you a life. Guy says, okay, got to have a life. He says, fine. It's all yours. God says, good. Now, here's $20 for gas. And here's a car to get you to work and here's a job that pays so that you can 
pay your mortgage, and here's a family that you can live with in your house. See, now you have a life. Mm. In other words, the person who complains, I have no life, is blind. You do have a life. Make it better. Everyone has a life. Maybe not a car. Maybe not even a job. Everyone has a life. What are you doing with it? No, no, that's not a life. Give me a real life. Yes, your life is very real. <laughs> Painfully real. Make it better. Stop looking for somebody else's life. Live the life you have. To replace yours, right? We have a question from our VIP sponsor, Miss Nikki Brown. Um, she asked the question is, how do we discover our purpose with everything that's going on in the world? Okay. So the general purpose that we all share in common, God put us here to make his world comfortable for him. It's his world. Why should he not be comfortable? It's, it's his world, but you're not allowed to have a prayer in public school. Mm, mm. In his world, he's not allowed. That's nasty. It is. So God says, this is a very ungodly world. But can you make it more godly for me? That's called serving God's purpose. That's what we're all here for. That's what unites us. Jews were given far more commandments than, than anybody else because we're supposed to be like the, the priest nation. So you get to do more stuff. But everybody is doing the same thing. Jews through Judaism, everybody else through their own religion. What are you doing? You're serving God, not having him serve you. But religion has kind of lost its way. All the emphasis is on what God will do for you. It's not nice. And it's depressing because it keeps reminding you that you're so needy and you're so vulnerable and you're so dependent. No. We can give God the ultimate gift. A world that is comfortable for him. His kind of a world. And that's what we do all day, every day, all our lives. So how do we do it? Well, it depends. Did God put you in a position of authority? Are you an employer? Well, then use that position to make people's lives easier, more moral, kinder, more godly for him if you're an employee look around why did god put you in this job why did god put you in this town why did god put you at this career because in this career you're going to meet certain people that you can help or who can help you look for the human element we're not just there to make money mm. So what is my purpose? 
all of us share the purpose of making the, the world more godly, but each person has a little chunk of the world that they're responsible for. Mm. Where you are, what you're capable of doing is what you're being called to do. Sir. For yes, some sir. people, it's just their own family. They have no influence beyond that. Well, then do that well. Some people have a position of great influence. Well, if you don't use it all, you're failing. If you're the mayor of a city and you make things better for half the people, you're a failure because you have influence on all of them. So live your life fully. God gave you more influence. Use it. Sir. Yes, sir. If you're good, if you're a good writer, then write good stuff that inspires people. If you have a podcast, <laughs> get great guests on the show like Rabbi Friedman and <laughs> and, 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 and God's favorite men and women. And stick to the important topics, which is what you're doing. It's God, family, self. Yes. I don't know about the finance. I don't know about that. <laughs> a little, a little, a little spice in there. A little spice in there. Oh, but thank you, Robert. We have one quick commercial break, you guys. Stay tuned. Stay with us. We'll be right, right back. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. If you're looking for a reliable, professional trucking and logistics service, you've come to the right place. Musa Trucking is a veteran-owned and operated premier transportation provider that can help with all of your trucking and logistics needs. Musa is revolutionizing the trucking industry through strategic partnerships, the development of core personnel, and the use of cutting-edge technology. Our inventory system ensures that cargo ends up divided into the right trucks and reaching the correct destination. Our drivers are dedicated to transporting goods efficiently and safely. Contact us today to get started by visiting the website on the screen or by calling 757-756-5246. I'm Marcus Norman, bringing fresh vibes to hot topics surrounding culture, relationships, business, finance, sex, dating, faith, and everything in between. Whether you're into passive income opportunities, trending topics and youthful relationship tips, or dynamic guest speakers, there's something for everyone. You can expect all that and more every week. If you're down with this content, then consider joining our growing community by subscribing to Gentleman's Style Podcast and smash the bell to get on our VIP list. Your support means the world. Thanks for watching. Link to my channel. Our back, we have the incredible rabbi manis friedman and he is here on the gentleman style podcast answering the tough questions that we all face each and every day in our lives um we just touched he just touched on the topics of god why are we here finding purpose finding the reason why you're existing and why um do do we need god and why are we alive or does god need us if you missed any of that 
scroll back, go back and check that out here on the Gentleman Style Podcast Show. This man is phenomenal. And he is touching the lives of many and speaking to the hot topics that we want to know about. And, and Rabbi, how do I know? I, I want to switch gears here to relationships. And you touched on this earlier and you mentioned something that is so true. The pandemic 2019, COVID, COVID, COVID-19 showed a lot of marriages that they were on the rocks and they were failing for a long time. So in today's time, how do I know if I found my soulmate? How do I know if the person that I'm supposed to be with for the rest of my life, how do I know if I found my soulmate or not? What are, what are some telltale signs? Look at the person you're sitting across the table from. There's your soulmate. In other words, the person you're married to is your soulmate, without a question, without a doubt. God does not allow people to marry the wrong people. When it comes to marriage, God is way too concerned to abandon it to our choices. So every marriage is arranged in heaven. It is just too important for God to leave up to us. Because we we mess up even when it's right. (laughs) So no marriage is ever a mistake. Marriages can be too demanding and difficult and end up in divorce. That doesn't mean it was a mistake. It means it was too challenging. So the person you're married to is without a doubt your soul mate. Now the question is, before I married, how was I supposed to know that this was my soul mate? So if I'm not married yet, what am I supposed to think? How am I supposed to identify a person as the other part of my soul? I don't know what a soul looks like. I don't know what my soul looks like. Simple answer is, I don't need to know that this is my soulmate. I need to find somebody I hope is my soulmate. And I ask her to marry me. And if she says yes, and we end up married, that is my soulmate. So I don't need to know in advance I just need to know that I want her to be my soulmate. Then either we will get married because she is my soulmate or something will happen. She'll decide. I'll decide. We're not going to get married because she is not my soulmate. Sir. Sir. But the important thing is we treat marriage like a personal decision. I decided to marry her. It's not like that. Marriage is God's idea, not a human idea. If God hadn't said get married, nobody would get married. A lifelong commitment? That's not human. It's superhuman. So we get married only because God asked us to. All over the world. And that's why in almost every culture and every society, marriage involves a religious ceremony. Isn't that strange? You buy a house, you don't call the priest. 
It's true. When you get married, it's got to be in the church. It's got to be with a priest. It's got to be with, with, with religious set, something in every culture. Because we know marriage is a holy thing to do, not a rational thing to do. So you do it religiously, with faith, meaning you're very respectful of marriage itself, besides being respectful to the person you're married to. You are respectful of marriage itself. Being married is like being in church. You don't misbehave in church. Well, most people don't. <laughs> when you're married, you're at your best behavior because the marriage is holy and you don't mess with it. If we could get back to that awareness, our marriages can be so much better. So true. So true. Rob, let me give you one very practical suggestion. Please. And I think this could change the entire atmosphere at home. A man should never call his wife from another room. Think about it for a second. It's so, it's, it's so disrespectful. Ever hear a man say to his wife, get over here. Come mm. over here. Mm. Yes. That's how you talk to a dog. Yes. You don't do that with your wife. If you need to say something to your wife, go to where she is and talk to her. Don't summon her. And don't scream from the other side of the house. That's not how you have a conversation with someone you respect. I never heard my father call my mother. Wow. There was no long distance conversations. <laughs> when my father wanted to talk to my mother, he would go to whatever room she was in and, and, and talk like a gentleman mm. that changes everything in the house it does it's respect it's a it's a mutual understanding a mutual you're my partner you're not my my servant or my dog R rabbi you you bring that up and one of the unique topics you, you spoke about this on television two years ago but it's the same reason what you're what you're alluding to is the same reason why you speak about intimacy and why you don't shake um, anyone's hand. Um, there's a, there's a, a woman's hand. A woman's hand. Can you can you touch on that from from my audience because it's so important and it's so profound about mm -hmm. marriage and, and intimacy. You want me to touch on it? Can you no, speak on no it? Pun, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, please. You see, by by rights. In a normal world, any physical contact between a man and a woman uh, that isn't medical, if it's friendly, then it's intimate. There's an intimacy there. Touch is a very intimate thing. 
You hear about it all the time from psychologists, how a baby needs to be held, a baby needs to be touched. Yes, touch is a very significant thing. But for some reason, the experts in our society are trying to convince us that a touch is, 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 is innocent and meaningless. It's just polite. So you shake hands just to show that you're not dangerous. It's not intimate. It's not friendly. It's just a gesture. But that's not true. I know you shake somebody's hand just to be polite. But they hold your hand, the person you're shaking hands with, holds your hand two seconds longer than necessary. And all of a sudden, it's creepy. What happened? It's just a handshake. It's not just a handshake. Contact, physical contact, touching each other is meaningful. Don't try to fool Mother Nature. So if it's meaningful, then it should be done with meaningful intention. We're going to be intimate here for a moment. Do you really want to be intimate? Should we be intimate? A man walks into a woman's office and closes the door. And the woman says, no, no, no. I have no intentions of being intimate with you. He says, oh, no, no, I don't want to be intimate. But you closed the door. That's intimate. Now we're alone in a room. Is that not intimate? Well, if that's not intimate, I don't know. You've, you've become too callous, too dulled. Being alone together in a room is intimate. And I don't know that we should be intimate. I don't know that I want to be intimate with you. So we're careful. Never touch if you're not intending to be intimate. Never be alone in a room if you don't intend to be intimate. Not because you're going to do something more, but because the aloneness itself is an intimacy. You can't fool Mother Nature. So i got to tell you this quick story. I counsel women. And we had this program where about 40 women were spending three weeks in a crash course on Judaism and so on. This was back in the 70s. And there was this one woman there who was a feminist. And because she was a feminist, she neglected herself. She didn't want to play this game, you know, of artificial makeup and beauty and contest. And so she really, really neglected herself. Just to prove that she's not part of the bourgeois society. But she neglected herself so badly that the other hippie women wouldn't share a room with her. Wow. It was really... I mean, she really neglected herself. Anyway, she needed to talk privately, so we went into the little room that I had as an office. She was sitting near the door. She closed the door. I said, leave, leave the door open just to, just a crack. She said, why? I said, because a man and a woman should not be alone in a room together. She started to sob. She was crying bitter tears. 
I thought I offended her. But that wasn't it. When she finally calmed down, she said, that's the first time anyone has treated me like a woman. There wasn't going to be any misbehavior. But being alone together in a room, a man and a woman, is, is intimate. Unless you don't think of her as a woman. Or she doesn't think of you as a man. That's not healthy at all. Look, I mean, look, look at the confusion we have now. So don't even know what a man is or who's a man or what's a yeah, come on, this is this is crazy. So, so we don't shake hands, we don't hold hands with somebody we're not married to. Because either we're going to be intimate or don't start. So halfway intimacy is cruel. Cruel to yourself. So right. So right. Ooh. Rabbi, I, I wanted to wrap things up with this this final question. It, what happens to our loved ones? What happens to our souls when we depart this depart this earth and our, our, our physical bodies are no longer um, functioning? Well, first of all, the soul is really you. The body is not you. Every experience you ever had, every memory, every feeling, it's all the soul. The soul is what feels and thinks and, and reacts and, and remembers. So when we say the soul doesn't die, it means the person doesn't die. See, it's not, it's not like when you go to heaven, you become an angel and all angels are alike. It's not like that. You remain you. Same memories, same relationships, same aches and pains, same pleasures and, and agonies. It's all you. So, for example, if you had a good sense of humor while you were alive, you still have one after you die. You can take a joke. <laughs> if you didn't have a sense of humor when you were alive, you don't have one when you die either because you've remained the same person. The only thing that changes is that there is no evil. No evil feelings exist anymore. But personality traits, character traits, they don't change. That's what we mean that the soul doesn't die. It doesn't become a generic angel. It remains you, which means you are still your parent's child. You are still your child's parent. You are still related or soulmates with your spouse. The relationship never ends. Sir. So your father, your mother who are gone off to heaven, they know you, they think about you, they talk about you. Like, you know, what do you think mothers do in heaven? <laughs> Whisper in your ear not to do something. No, they talk to each other about their children. <laughs> what else have they got to talk about? <laughs> and yes, they worry about you and they, they try to lobby for you. They're, they're parenting you. 
back from a distance. So life never ends. Life never ends. Death will eventually end. There will come a time when we will just stop dying. Because, mm. you know, what's the point? <laughs> what's good about it? <laughs> Nothing. So life is permanent. Death is temporary. Because imagine. How depressing is it? Life is where everything happens. Life is where all the excitement is. Life is where all the meaning is. Life is where all the purpose is. Oh, but that's just for a little while. But death, where nothing happens, that's forever? Mm. That is a very negative attitude. Yes. That itself is depressing. It makes no sense. What is meaningful, exciting, and full of purpose, that's just for a couple of years. But emptiness, darkness, yeah, forever, forever. Can't be. Can't be. No, can't be. Rabbi, this has been an epic episode. This has been a dynamic. You are truly amazing. And I, I again, I thank you for being here, Rabbi. How can how can we learn more? How can my audience connect with you and learn more and grow with you? Well, I, I never stop talking. And now that there's an internet, everything I say is on YouTube. So if you wanna if you wanna hear more of, of this way of thinking, it's good to know.org. That's the address. It's good to know.org. Every topic you want to hear about, it's all there. It's all been said before. Yes, sir. Yes. Yep, there it is. It's good to know.org. Rabbi, if you ha you've shared so many nuggets today, are there any words of encouragement? Any any anything that's on your heart that you could leave with that young man, that young girl out in the audience today that just is their back is against the wall, they're struggling and they 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 just they don't know what to do. Any final words of encouragement? Yeah. <clears throat> See, here's here are the facts of life. Our existence on Earth can be very pleasant and it can be very painful. You can have a big, comfortable house or you can have no house at all. But that's how you exist. Don't confuse that with life. You can have a good existence, a painful existence, a minimal existence. Yes, existence comes in many flavors. But existence is just hanging around. Life means what effect are you having just by existing? Are people better off because you're part of their life? Mm. People worse off because you're part of their life? That's what life means. Existence means I take up space and I need to eat. That's it. That's existence. Give me some room and give me some food. Nothing to write home about. Nothing to be proud of. Yes, I have a house and I have what to eat. Oh, good for you. But what is your life? People who are very rich, very famous, very powerful. 
they have no life. Their existence is great. They're the most likely to get depressed, to be on drugs, because what, what more can they do? Their existence has peaked and they still have no life. And their children will say, okay, now what? So we're rich. Now, what's life about? In other words, who needs us? Existence is all about what I need. Life is all about what I'm needed for. So any age, this can start at 10 years old. Stop thinking about what you need. You're going to get depressed or become a criminal because you got to get what you need. Don't be so needy. It, it's ugly. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. Think of what you're needed for. At 10 years old, what can you do to make the world around you nicer, better, godlier, kind of the kind of world that God would want to be part of? There, it's never bad. Life can never be bad. People who have the worst existence of all can turn out to be the most effective and the most powerful force of goodness. Poor people are usually more moral than rich people. So nothing can ever stop you from having a good life, even when your existence stinks. You know, so that bumper sticker, life stinks and then you die. Right, yes. Life never stinks. Life is the opportunity to do good. How can that go bad? Guy in jail. What is this? Oh, I know. Yeah, I got to go. <laughs> Rabbi, I thank you. Pleasure. Sir. I thank you, Rabbi. Thank you for being here on the Gentleman Style Podcast Show. It's an honor to have you, sir. You are a true, amazing hero, and you are incredible. And I thank you for everything you've done and said here on the show today. You're very welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And I want to thank you all, my audience, for tuning in to the Gentleman Style Podcast Show. I hope this has been helpful. I hope this has been encouraging and enlightening and, and shown you that there is a way, there is a light forward. And, and I want to say this to you, Rabbi. I want to say this to you publicly. Thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for being here. Thank you for giving back and giving of your time to, to share with us. I hope you have a phenomenal day. Don't ever give up. We need you. We need what you're doing. Well, I hope this message was helpful to my audience. I hope this was impactful. I hope you all learned something today. And if you need to get in contact with Rabbi, please don't hesitate to reach out to him on his website or reach out to me on the show. This is Marcus Norman. Like I always end every show, take care of your friends, take care of your family, and always, always take care of business. This is Marcus Norman, your favorite host, Gentleman Style Podcast Show, signing off. Love you guys. Bye.